Hello and welcome back to our podcast, Ayahuasca Assisted Therapy. And today I'm super excited to be here with my colleague and sister, Lori, who is also an integration coach therapist. Uh, she is a psychotherapist, but she has also many other wonderful tools, you know, in her toolbox. And uh, we were connecting a little bit and definitely we had a lot of common things and a lot of things to talk about. So we are like continuing that conversation, but uh, focusing on obviously the, this work, what we are doing and how we are supporting, you know, the work of the plants or the plants are supporting our work. I'm not sure, you know, which way, but anyway. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for um, saying yes to this invitation. And let's start with just uh, say anything about yourself. Just introduce yourself. What what you think is important that people know about you? Thank you. Well, it's such a pleasure to be here with you, Nina. And I'm so glad to have a chance to get to know you better through this experience because I feel like our work is very similar. And there's a lot of exchange of information and ideas and how we're working with people that I really appreciate um, that mutuality and that exchange of information. So it's nice to have a supportive community and doing this work, we really need it. And I think that's one of the reasons that we reach out and try to build these communities because there is a, a lot of need for shared support. And also as we're moving in these new directions, uh, our ideas are kind of flowering off of kind of the natural um, uh, you know, catalyzing a function of being in a group and being in a, um, a community where we're thinking together collectively and we're furthering the collective agenda through these transformations that we're helping people to um, integrate into their lives. So um, there's so much of, of a beauty in this moment to be part of psychedelic psychotherapy and just to be a therapist too I feel like is a unique blessing in this moment because we have a lot more movement we have a lot more freedom to be more expressive and to um, think in new directions about the ideas that define us and the worlds that we live in so we have the opportunity to create reality in in our reflection in terms of what we see as the most um, salient direction to move into. So we're starting to really capitalize on our own creative potentials. And I feel like that's really what we're helping people do through the process of integrating after they have one of these transcendent experiences. Definitely. Thank you for <laughs> you know, saying all of that. So what brought you into therapy the first place and then to the plants, you know, eventually, because uh, a lot of people like I, I am myself too, but a lot of people I talk to, we have this like wounded healer archetype and, you know, that's how you end up. So how was your journey to become a therapist the first place and then uh, bringing the plants into your practice? And what was your reason kind of to go into this direction? Well, I feel like everything that I'm expressing right now kind of chose me and I am just following through with that and saying yes to the choice that was made for me probably very long ago. And I think you resonate with that. I can tell like it's a, it's a shared feeling. And when we think about this concept of wounded healer, I've heard it for many years, um, but I recently started thinking that kind of describes all of us. You know, each and every person, <laughs> we're wounded and we have our events, circumstances, traumas, challenges, things that are terribly hard to overcome. And each and every one of us goes through a series of struggles throughout the course of our lifetime where that's what we're focused on resolving or trying to find some meaning from those experiences because sometimes they're deeply painful and sometimes that dark night of the soul lasts for a very long time it can even last decades for some people so we're in this kind of collective evolutionary cycle where we're transcending these emotions we're transcending these challenges uh, much like you would think of i, I, I do that motion because that's like in waves there's you know we go through these different stages in life much like 
uh, a wave getting stronger and then crashing and then another wave developing and constituting and uh, when we're caught up in that, sometimes it feels very confusing or very overwhelming or destabilizing. And I hear a lot of people say this nowadays, they feel lost or they feel overwhelmed with emotions. And when you're working with people in this context, you know, as a therapist, you kind of get a chance to keep your, your finger on the pulse of what's happening in the collective. You get a sense for what people are struggling with and then you start to see those patterns and it's like you can kind of tell this is something that's happening for many many people and that that process of spiritual awakening or sometimes people call it spiritual emergence is something that we're just answering the call to because it's happening naturally and it's happening with and without the assistance of psychedelics or uh, psychoactive substances. So whether we're talking about, you know, entheogens, which is like the plant medicines, or whether we're talking about chemical compounds, you know, that are synthesized in a lab, it, it's really the same um, effect that we're bringing together information that, um, and we're making unusual connections and this produces unexpected and interesting results. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so, um, like, what were your substances that you were first called to? And how did that added to your studies and your healing experience like how 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 you know compared to because you you were already a therapist and I come also from western psychology background so adding this element you know how how did it enhance you know your personal spiritual practice and then if you were dealing with some challenges you know uh, did, did it help with that and and what was exactly you know the plant or the substance that you were first kind of passionate about working with yeah um well when i was in my 20s i had my very first psychedelic experience but it was just a one-time experience uh with lsd in college you know that's kind of the thing and then after that i thought oh i'm done with that that's good i've, I've got a sense for there's something else but i don't need to go any further with that um but it wasn't until i was well into my my practice it was about five years ago, I was working traditionally with clients doing psychoanalytic psychotherapy and union approaches to psychotherapy um, with some emphasis on hypnosis, but I really was doing a more traditional practice. And when I had a client of mine who was working as a volunteer at a local ayahuasca retreat center, she suggested that I go there, that perhaps that might be something I was interested in. And I had indeed pursued that when I was finishing graduate school and tried to take a trip to Peru and made the arrangements. And then the trip fell through at the last minute. And I thought, well, that's that. I won't ever have that opportunity again, but it was a lovely dream <laughs> while it lasted. And then when I found out, hey, there's an opportunity again for you to have an experience with ayahuasca and it's right here in Orlando, it's in your hometown. And this was unbelievable to me. So coming to the plant medicine was such a gift. And for me, it was a life-changing experience, a very profound journey that put me in touch with myself and my own innate um, ability to love myself, which I didn't realize I didn't have already. I thought I was loving myself just fine. <laughs> and I realized, no, I have an experiential sense of what it feels like to be loved by the mother. Uh, some people call mother ayahuasca. And that for me was, it radically changed my priorities. It changed my sense of who I was. It changed what I wanted to do with my life and how I wanted to relate to people and um, the impact that I wanted to have with my, with my life. So that's one of the most profound things I think that the medicines give us is that it is transformative in terms of our relationships and our ability to make connections with others. 
So really, um, you know, we're, we're wanting to change our mind, like how to change your mind was the amazing book by Michael Pollan. And I think that that's the very first step, but really and truly it's about how to change our relationships. Because when we have this awareness, when we become aware that we're aware, now we have the ability to play within this dream and to approach our lives in more of a playful and more of a dreamlike, more of a creative manner. And so what I really see is the, the beauty of these psychedelics is that it's possible for us to transform our relationships. And I think that's what really is the number one problem for most people. But just like we say in therapy, you know, to have a relationship or a, a good relationship with someone else, it starts with our relationship to ourselves and honoring ourselves and having reverence for our own lives. Yeah. So beautifully said. Yes, I couldn't have uh, said it better. What I would like to add is uh, in terms of therapy work, it was very interesting for me that my experience with psychotherapy was obviously before that you start from the surface, you know, and kind of you are digging down and removing those layers. And at each layer, there is resistance that you need to work through. And it's, it's a very strenuous and lengthy process and my experience with the ayahuasca was that that she just kind of catapulted me down to the root you know <laughs> like breaking down all that you know that that takes years to to go through and and suddenly I was there in that experience and of course that doesn't make everything go away but um I realized that it's hard to work towards something when you do not have a very deep experience of what is that you are looking for. So as you said, you know, if, if we never been loved, if we never felt that connectedness, we might understand intellectually that that's what I should feel or think or whatever, but it's, it's kind of difficult. So for me, the plans had me to remember recently, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, every fiber, every atom of my being, how does that feel when I am in love and connected and, and, and all of these things? Uh, and that was a very strong anchor and the reference point for me from then on that I could kind of keep returning to in my everyday life, you know, without <clears throat> drinking the plants anymore. Um, so I suddenly it was like, okay, I know where, where I'm going and I know what's going on with me now. It was a very different perspective while before as you said, I had a completely different like image of myself and a, per a different perception of things that were just not accurate and, and that were limiting, you know, in many ways. So um, what do you, yeah, what do you think about that in terms of therapy work is like, you know, uh, helping you catapult you through many layers, you know, and, and help you to more go to that route where we always want to say, hey, go to the root of the problem. And yeah, you know, that takes some time. So how, how do you see that, you know, in your own practice? Yeah, it's getting to the source or the, the origination point from which all of these hurts and pains came from. And a lot of the work that we do in preparation for a, a, a psychedelic journey might be working through the personal trauma. You know, that's kind of an important piece, preparation work in understanding our past as um, the personal history, maybe the narrative that we tell ourselves and putting a little space and distance between ourselves and this story of our own life, you know, kind of the narrative that we, that we've experienced. And I think the beauty of this is being able to kind of realize that our story is important. It was important. It was part of our development. It's what's made us who we are. And these challenges or hurts or pains had to be Hours, you know, they're intricately or they're designed so particularly for us, for our awakening, for our development, and sometimes excruciatingly so. Um, but knowing that we can alchemize that, we can, there's a way for us to 
metabolize that pain and then to be able to truly move past this narrative story being the defining feature of our lives and to put it in its proper place so that it is part of us, but it's not the end of the story. It's We don't have to drag it around through life with us. So to your point, there's this you know shedding that we have to kind of slough off. We have to let go of things that happened and that aren't really with us anymore. And there's a lot of times there's sentimentality. Sometimes there's respect for the past. There's you know respect for the people that populate our lives who we're always still wanting to honor in certain ways. And sometimes we keep the, the, the past traumas with us because we think that's honoring the people that we experience those with. So there's, um, but this need for shedding is the same thing with, you know, plants or, you know, the, the snake sheds the skin. And so we do have to transcend these tendencies and ways of being. And we're always, looking at in, in careful detail to see, are there any remnants left of those particular grooves that we get into? And sometimes something will resurface like a, an old pattern and we kind of find ourselves falling into that groove. But I think the beauty of these plants and these medicines, and, and hopefully we can talk about some of the other ways that we can transcend these grooves uh, with and without psychedelics is how we're trying to remain fresh and to renew ourselves um, in, in the psychic domain, you know, in the way that our minds work and the way that consciousness is unfolding for us. And, and I think there's a chance to do that in a very intentional way. And all of these modalities are here as tools for us to learn how to do that more efficiently or maybe more fun, or, you know, we're, we're here to explore and to be creative and to really have fun in learning more about ourselves through all of these different healing techniques, whether it's somatic uh, therapy or transpersonal psychotherapy or um, existential psychotherapy, Buddhist philosophy, there are many things. And um, as you and I talked about the other day, um, breath work is, is another beautiful, healing modality and movement or dance. Um, so there's a lot of things that we can draw from once we realize what we're, what we're doing, what our goal is, what is our intention with using these modalities. Yes, and, and we're gonna definitely talk about that and share some of our favorite tools with you guys as always. Um, so I know that, you know, obviously we connected through the ayahuasca and I often feel that there is a, there is an invisible connection between the people who work with this plan because as so many times I experienced really connecting with people so fast on such a deep level, you know, who are kind of following, you know, the same kind of path or journey. So, um, but I also know because you are in the United States, there is a somewhat limited the, the 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 legal use of this substance, even though if you if you use it as a sacrament in a church, you can you can use it, but from a perspective of insurance and therapy. So I'm not sure, you know, do you do psych like ayahuasca integration in your practice? Like that's something that is official, or do you work with other substances? Like you mentioned MDMA, for example, in your professional practice. And what what are kind of the main reasons? why people looking for psychedelic therapy, at least the people who come to you, what is your observation? Well, right now I'm seeing a pretty solid split between people that are coming for traditional psychotherapy and people that are interested in psychedelic assisted psychotherapy, which is really um, people that have already had an experience or people who are preparing for an experience. But a lot of people who are just interested in traditional therapy are knowledgeable about these things and are asking about these things. So there's a pretty good balance, I think, between people that are wanting that. But as I mentioned before, I think there's a lot of people having spiritual awakenings right now that um, I'm, I'm talking to people right now through one of the platforms that I do therapy on, and I get to speak to people all throughout the world. And it's 
really amazing how many people are speaking of spiritual emergence, sometimes spiritual crisis, because they're having feelings they've never had before, or they're suddenly aware of their, maybe how they're functioning in their family unit, or they're more aware of how their emotions are following into some, some unhealthy patterns. Um, so I feel like we're becoming a little more sophisticated just naturally in terms of you know, psychologically sophisticated of how we relate to ourselves, to the world, to each other. And it seems like it's very much connected to our understanding of this concept of unified consciousness, that the whole entire planet is alive and that, you know, we are connected as much with the animals and with the trees as they are with us. And we're part of this natural world. And as we really as that idea really settles in, we start to see that the plants and the trees are, are here for us to learn from. And we're having this kind of symbiotic relationship. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of people wanting this experience. They want to go deeper. They wanna take the deep dive into the unconscious and they want to willingly step into those alchemical fires of transformation. And, you know, to that, I say, let's do it. You know, we, <laughs> we're on. Um, as far as, you know, wh what we can do where we are, each, you know, person is in a different situation in Florida here. We have very few things that are legal and, you know, we have to work within the parameters of what we have accessible to us. And here we have ketamine, um, we have medical marijuana, and we have ayahuasca churches that operate under the separation of church and state. Um, there will be more, a lot more of these types of substances in the near future. And as you mentioned, MDMA is probably going to be the first and then psilocybin, which is the magic mushrooms will be next. Um, but until then, we have to either travel or go places where we can access these substances safely. And, and make sure that we know what we're getting is um, a quality substance. Yes, we are excited about this psychedelic renaissance and <laughs> these, these uh, amazing plants, obviously. So um, do you have like a setup program? I, you know, ju I'm just asking because, you know, people know that I do a specific setting that I do prep and integration work. Um, what I really am curious about is like, how long do you work with people? So if somebody comes and says, I'm preparing for an ayahuasca ceremony and I want to do prep with you and then I want to do integration, like how long do you recommend or do you personally do prep work with people, especially for the ayahuasca? And then in terms of the integration as well, how long do you have that client in, a, in, a, in the therapeutic and what 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 is success for you when you say okay go you know that was that was a successful you know work and journey and everything yes well i think um for me if someone comes back from a, a journey like that and they can say i feel like i am more in balance or i'm more in alignment with my true self or to be able to have a sense of being more authentic in their personal life and more transparent with themselves and with others. So there's a confidence that comes with being able to be yourself and to know who you are. And I think that's a strange uh, term when you haven't had that experience, but once you've had the experience, you know that you have a, a deeper sense of your identity as being something that transcends just your human life, just this, you know, 80 years that we get. Um, so um, I think that when we can express all of the facets to our personhood and, um, and really become more united and more whole in terms of how we understand ourselves to be so that we're not living in this duality of necessarily human and celestial we're we're working in non-duality we're we're moving in non-duality and we can be more emotionally flexible when we have achieved those states so for 
in terms of length of time of working with a client, I love the model of, that you're um, working through. And I, I think that model is very um, beautiful model because having three months or two months at least of prep work gives you a chance to kind of peel those layers of the onion and then to get to the heart of maybe if there's trauma there, if we need to focus on trauma and then to resolve as much of the trauma as we can do through traditional talk therapy. And sometimes that may extend further. It may be six months, it may be a year if there is significant trauma and someone hasn't had enough therapy. But for most people, three to six months is enough prep time if they've had any a traditional therapy leading up to that. I think one year is a great length of time to work with people. In fact, on average, that's how long people stay in therapy after having a ceremony. Um, a few people go back for additional ceremonies, not everyone. And some people go back because they feel they need that. And then they return from that and say, I didn't actually need it after all, but I had to go through it to know that. So that can be uh, an experience that people have. They, they feel drawn to go back just in case there's something else that they haven't experienced under the medicine. And then they come back and say, well, it was a beautiful experience and I did learn some things, but I'm actually, I have everything that I need already. All the keys are inside of me to unlock the riddle of me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I do recommend my clients not to drink in the first integration, not to drink more until they finish the first integration because I feel that it resets their process you know, and it kind of interferes in a way, but obviously I never tell anybody what to do. And there can be definitely, I think, occasions when it is it is validated and somebody does feel a strong calling to, to go for a second or third ceremony. Um, but I do think when, when my clients tell me, oh, I feel that I'm like half done and I need another, <laughs> and I'm, 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 I always give them other tools to work with first and that, and then I'm saying, okay, if it's, if you still want to do it after, of course, you know, go ahead, but let's see if you really need this or you want it, what is the real reason, you know, that you feel that you want to go again. And, um, the reason for that is what what you mentioned several times, and we always say here, we are the healers and love is the medicine and, and we need to do that healing work and no amount of medicine drinking will take care of that. So let's talk about some of your favorite tools or, or things that were influential in your life and that you kind of try to teach your clients so they can supporting themselves and 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 just um, bringing habits into their life that that support this work and this journey well absolutely i think of for me at least personally going into body work was so important for me like when i was around 30 i started doing yoga for the very first time and that was a such an eye-opening experience. I remember the very first class that I ever attended and I had the experience of being relaxed and like just letting my guard down in the class. And it was such a, a change from what I was used to experiencing that I had a, a cathartic emotional relax reaction. I started crying and I started sobbing because I was like, this is what I should be feeling all the time. And it was so in juxtaposition to what I came in with and what I, the intensity of the stress and the anxiety. And I realized we should all feel this way all the time. And this is possible. So starting that journey of, you know, being with myself and, and really honoring my body through movement and knowing that, hey, this is my vessel for life. And I've got to take care of this vessel and I have to appreciate this vessel. And I think that's one of the things that the psychedelics really highlights for all of us is that our, our lives are sacred and our, our bodies are the vehicle through which we traverse this lifetime. And so we have, or, you know, I feel that we are fortunate to be able to have this awareness so that we can honor and be reverent to ourselves. And that creates the precondition for all of the other relationships that we have in our lives. You know, when we're 
reverent to ourselves, we're reverent to the planet. When we're reverent to our, uh, ourselves, we're reverent to our children and to each other. And we treat, treat each other the way that, you know, we want to be treated. And we really don't see a distinction between I and thou. There's you know, this, this blurring of the lines between you know, me and you, where I begin and you end, where you end and I begin. And we start to realize that there's a balance, that we can be in this interchange between being one with ourselves and being one with everyone else. So this unity consciousness, I think, is what sets the stage for looking at life from a different lens of experience. And um, it starts with the body. It starts with being grounded in your body. And then the other piece for me, at least, um, my personal journey was self-expression, is being able to feel myself moving through space freely, um, being able to do things with my body creatively, like dancing. And um, for me also sound healing, like therapy through playing an instrument, which I love the piano. And that's really like my heart and soul is like being able to work with plant medicines, work with music and to express myself and put myself into the music. And those are the things that keep me moving through life and kind of, <laughs> keep me moving forward uh, and being free enough to express my truth. And that alone takes a little bit of leap of faith sometimes because um, for many people, they don't feel safe enough to trust that they can be themselves, to trust life and to trust their connections with others. So that's what we're learning how to do and to be in this human kind experiment or this you know this humanity experiment um we have to trust each other and we have to try new things and sometimes jumping over a, a chasm or going out on a limb is is what's required so true yeah and yay for the brave warrior ones as we always say here is uh Courage is not the lack of fear, but feel the fear and do it anyway. So yeah, it's never too late to try new things and to incorporate new habits in our lives. And yeah, I definitely feel that, especially in the West, the disconnection from the body and from nature is so great. And it was certainly with me and many people that I know personally and, and uh, um. I have this feeling as the, the mother ayahuasca is the vine and the root and everything. I feel my being being grounded and rooted and reconnected to the physical body and the earth itself. So um, definitely feeling that this is the container of my soul and spirit and, and, and this is that vehicle. And I look at it that before my relationship with my body was more like an enemy. I think a lot of women can probably relate to that. Maybe men too, mostly women, I guess. And to create that loving relationship with my body and our body, as you said, to create loving relationships and bring love and healing and, and relate to my body as, as my ally, you know, as my sacred container instead of my enemy. That's that's. A we are talking about here so definitely resonate with that what is your um take on this psychedelic renaissance as we said what is going on and we are have been excited about it and also it's a bit scary so what do you think are the gifts and challenges of this whole movement that is happening right now in in the healing field well i think that we're in a place where awareness and consciousness, we're understanding that these things are one and the same and that like light, uh, we only experience this as, as it interacts with matter. And so uh, like light filtering through stained glass, we are enlivened through uh, it filtering through us. The, and this enlivens the display of self. Um, so awareness itself is what animates us and um can you ask the question again <laughs> i think i got lost there 
<laughs> yeah, that what do you think that the gifts and challenges are of this movement, you know, psychedelic uh, healing in the healing field? Um, I think the challenges are going to be making sure that there are safe spaces where people can be under the medicine without fear of any kind of traumatic experience so that they can be held and be um, guided safely. I think there's gonna be some new parameters for how do we maintain ethical guidelines. There's certain changes to um, how open people become under the medicine. So things like touch and eye contact and being able to, to support people without crossing boundaries, I think is an important um, piece of how do we navigate this. So there may have to be some people in place who are strictly sitters and people in, who become more emotionally connected to them afterwards so that that intensity of connection can be somewhat divided among several people so that it's not just one person who becomes everything to them. And that people understand that they are the healing factor in their lives, that they are their own guru. It's not someone else who's giving this to them or channeling it through themselves, that they have direct access to their own healing potential. And I think that as long as those types of tendencies can be subdued or to be accountable for what people are creating within different groups and circles, that's going to go a long way to protect people and have safe experiences because there's a lot of vulnerability when people are in altered states of consciousness or non-ordinary states. There tends to be a blurring of boundaries and a little more um, diffuse connection between people when those, when those boundaries are not as strong in normal waking consciousness. Yes, so well said. And we had, you know, definitely other podcasts about this topic. And in the background, we are working on this with, with some people. And you are invited, of course, sister as well, to, to write um, Code of Ethics and Standards of Practice for this type of work which is you know I think there there is some shapes and forms that people already did that I I looked around but there's definitely something that is needed I think it's okay like it's just emerging so it's always like that first things just happen and then they become somewhat regulated or a framework and um, obviously um, there is a lot of you know positive things and and gifts as we as we mentioned as well but but we just need to be aware that this is not a magic pill uh and and we need to be discerning and take responsibility for our actions and everything that is happening um to us so yeah definitely good to good to point this out so what what would be your vision for the future of medicine especially like mental emotional health like what is that you would love to see you know like i think um as far as what i would like to see i think having access to medicines whether they're plant-based medicines, whether they're chemical compounds, having a safe place where people can access that and know that they're getting the quality that they need from the substances that they're willing to go towards. I think clinics are sometimes very Spartan and, and sometimes not as personable and maybe a little uh, less inviting, but I think that there's a way to make that much more uh, comfortable for people. And um, I think that if people start going to clinics, it might become more of a normalized thing. But I do love the more organic ceremonial spaces that are created because then you have the opportunity to interact with nature and to ground yourself in the connection with the earth and the ground and the trees and the plants. And I feel like that type of setting helps us to really 
remain in connection and stay in alignment with the law of nature. And I think that's what we really need to uh, experience from the inside out to be able to radically be transformed and to not think these things are supplementing psychotropic medications or if th that this is something like similar to that it's so far removed from that that um, we don't want any suggestion that this is just another new pill that you can order up or that you can get a prescription for this is radically different and this involves your own commitment to your self-healing and your awareness that you're part of the solution for yourself and for the collective. So it's a, it's a planetary movement. It's not just getting another pill and getting a refill <laughs> and going to, but I mean, psychiatrists are very much embracing of this. And I think there's a lot of support with all the clinical trials. There's a lot of, um, you know, indications that neuropsychologists are on board with this. And so we're looking at entheogens as being just another type of supplement or like a vitamin and a way to augment our capabilities and our spiritual and emotional and psychological abilities. Yes. <laughs> um, what would you say to, to somebody who is preparing for their first ayahuasca journey and they're thinking, oh, I'm really cold and, oh, I don't know what to do, to do this or not. What, what would be kind of your most important message that you can give to somebody who is just about to head into this journey? Well, I think um, trusting that whatever comes up for you is exactly what you need to experience that medicine has a, a wisdom to it, an IntelliKey that um, is a natural, perhaps a telos to the medicine itself. It knows where you need to go and it takes you to the places that are the most um, emotionally charged for you. So that whatever it is that you came to the medicine for, that's what it's going to show you. And those fears that you need to face or uh, the darker places in your psyche that need to have light uh, illuminated on them so that uh, we become more sound through these unusual experiences and that we become more whole and complete when we know more of the darker aspects of ourselves or the repressed aspects of who we are. So uh, getting to know these disowned or rejected parts of ourselves becomes an important piece of how we can attain this freedom that we're speaking of and being set free <laughs> from all of the trappings of seeing ourselves through one strict lens of experience. Yes, yes. For me, definitely freedom is a big word that I would uh, connect with this medicine and also shadow <laughs> shadow work. That would be definitely the other big word. I, I really love you know, what you said and trusting the process I often see with people having this expectation, you know, the medicine being this magic pill and, and then that's, that's um, not happening. They think either the medicine didn't work for them or it didn't do anything for me or it wasn't, you know, I didn't have any effect or I need more or they will, you know, just say that something else is, is it was, it was some, something else's fault, you know, that it didn't work, that they are not in, in the, they didn't get what they were asking for. So just reminding people that especially with this medicine, things get worse before they get better. That's just very normal part of the journey. So not having that expectation that everything will be perfect after your ceremony or your retreat, I think could be very helpful for people that because then they save that disappointment and, and that blame, you know, that, that normally comes with that. And um, as and you said, fall apart so that they can fall back together in a new way. So there is a period where people feel a little shattered or perhaps they feel a little bit 
like they're not all together themselves and those periods can be very destabilizing and very distressing for many people and that's when they need that kind of support or a witness for their process someone to hold their hand or just to at least be like a, a friend a spiritual friend or a guide while they're understanding and re-understanding their world and kind of revisioning their place in it so that that is part of the the sacred journey that we walk with them and that's a beautiful aspect to be able to witness that and and to watch people as they're in their transformation and um, for them you know sometimes it's scary and it's horrific and it may not feel like a beautiful process when you're in it but then once you complete that that phase or that cycle then everything does start to make sense and then they have the understanding of why they had to struggle or why that had to be so profoundly intense or excruciating or painful. Uh, but again, when you're in it, it's as if everything matters, it all feels real, it all feels threatening in some way. Um, and until you go through that little process and out the other side, if you will, then you have that appreciation for where you've been and why you had to go through that in, in detail. Absolutely. And, and that's the reason why, you know, we always emphasize that your best asset is, is an experienced guide, not just in the ceremonial space, but in the preparation and in the integration process as well, because it can be intense. And that guide, that therapist, that healer, that coach, creating, you know, that safe container that we mentioned earlier, where people can relax into this unknown and and touch upon those heavy or challenging places that they wouldn't feel safe to go there alone or comfortable, you know, to even look at certain things. So that's that's just so important to, you know, to point out over and over again that you don't have to do this alone. <laughs> there is support. It's good to get support because there are challenging parts of this process, you know that um most people are not equipped for you know as the, like i mean you learned many many years in school you know to to have all this knowledge and and that's what your your professional uh, therapist and healer like there is people who who are professionals in in plumbing and other things right construction and and uh, it's not i think the like nowadays is better that is not so much stigma like in the past when people go to a therapist, but I think that still some people think that it's a sign of weakness or meaning that they're not good enough or they are a failure. But I, I really want to say that actually I think it's the opposite is the wisest thing that you can you can do to yourself and for yourself when you are going through such a deep and transformational experience. Yes, it does take some humility to say, hey, I've tried on my own and I can't figure all this out and I might need a little bit of support or I may need some new information or some new energy to help process this. And I think that need to reach out is what keeps our connection between each other strong. It's like we, if we could do it all on our own, we might stay encapsulated in our own little individual worlds and silos. <laughs> we truly need each other and so we have to humble ourselves and reach out and say hey i i am needing support and 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 to survive that to survive the need and feeling the need and having someone else witness our need sometimes for many people that feels so threatening that they feel they're going to be annihilated by that you know that that is so intimidating or overwhelming or just like impossible to imagine how could they live through something like that? So what we're trying to do is show people, hey, it's normal to be human. It's okay. It's natural to mess up. It's okay to have missteps. It's okay to not be perfect. And I think that's what we're learning how to survive together. It's like, none of us are perfect. Can we live with that? If we can acknowledge it and say, hey, maybe together we'll work more quickly, more effectively, um, and we'll, share the wisdom that each one of us has you know we'll kind of put together our collective wisdom and i believe that 
we all have some corner of the sky or some little piece of that puzzle. And together, we put our pieces together, we see the bigger picture, but not until. <laughs> yes, the bigger picture. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you so much for, for sharing your pearls of wisdom and being here with us today. Um, is there some offerings that you would like to share with your audience? What are you up to? Where can people find you? And uh, we're gonna uh, put in the description all of your, your contact information, but whatever you would like to share now, this is the moment. <laughs> okay, well, right now I'm working on doing some writing and I'm also working on putting together events for the Orlando Psychedelic Society. We have a new space that we just obtained and it's called Sacred Space Orlando. So we're gonna be having some beautiful musical events there. So if you wanna go on the website, orlandopsychedelicsociety.org. Um, my site, it's my name, drlorimedics.org, uh, I believe. And um, I'm just looking to get together with people and to like be able to celebrate being out <laughs> now that we're not stuck in our houses anymore, that we can celebrate togetherness and, um, really start to build that beautiful community. And it doesn't have to be in person, but I do love having in-person events. Um, but I do feel that we're all connecting throughout the world. And what uh, this, you know, recently I've been learning is that um, we were so desirous of that connection. And even more than ever, we're aware how much we need it uh, for our lives. So um, yeah, thank you. It's I, hope, I hope yeah that we can connect soon in person as well because i made so many cool connections the last two years like online so it's funny to to when you meet somebody in person and you have a different image you know in your head um yes we're gonna share all your links sister and connect with Lori if you resonate with her and her work and uh, yeah join us on clubhouse every second Tuesday. So next Tuesday, we're going to be on. It's 5 o'clock EST, uh, Healing and Awakening. In my club, we have Ayahuasca Integration um, group or room on Clubhouse every two weeks. And uh, also, if you are interested to be trained as uh, Ayahuasca-assisted therapist, which is only focusing this training on the preparation and the integration. This is not a training to serve medicine or to hold ceremonial spaces. Then check out my website, avatarhealingarts.com training. And as I said, we are working on a code of ethics and standard of practice for professionals who work with the Ayahuasca, specifically this medicine in any capacity, either a ceremonial space holder or a preparation or integration therapist or coach. So if you are that, and if you would like to contribute and be part of you know, creating this uh, document, which is a collaboration of people who work in this field, then please contact me and, and we are uh, happy to have you on board, the board the merrier. And stay tuned for our next episode. And thank you so much, sister, for coming. And I'm sure that we will have you again here on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you.